0: Welcome to the week 17 episode of Bird Bros. Thanks for checking us out, whether it be through iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, clicking our link on Twitter. We appreciate you. I'm Ron Brown. Along with me, I have my two Falcons co-hosts tonight. Got my boy T-Little, and I got A.V. What's up, fellas?
1: What up, what up? What's good?
0: Not much, man. You know, a victory. <laughs> you love to see the Falcons win and end in the Panthers' uh, 14-0 and streak and undefeated season. With the win uh, on Sunday over the Panthers. Great win. Exhilarating to watch on TV. I was talking to people who were at the game. They said it was a great atmosphere. Good uh, victory to go. You know, beat our division rivals. Trent, you know, uh, you are our resident Kyle Shanahan supporter. Was that the kind of sh- Kyle Shanahan offense you like to see? Was that the Matt Ryan you like to see?
1: Oh yes, I love. It. I think that's what I think that's what Kyle Shanahan wants out of his offense. He wants a more balanced offense. I was reading a stat earlier today, when it was saying basically, like during our 5 and and0 oh stretch, the offense averaged um, almost 40 passing at attempts and 29 rushing attempts. And in our losses, the um, we averaged 10 more passing attempts and and 10 less uh, rushing attempts. So basically. We're we're a better offense when we're more um when we're more balanced. Even if the running game like for example on Sunday, Devontae Freeman didn't have a, a lights out game, but it was it was a very efficient rushing attack. I mean, I think he had like seventy yards, but it was on twenty two carries. So we were still able to run efficiently and um manage the clock also.
0: Well, you know, he only had about three point three yards per carry, which is you know, you wanna be around that four four yards uh, mark, which is, you know, pretty good. But definitely uh, kept the Panthers on their heels. And like you said, you want to have that balanced attack and everything. And now, A.V., we know, everybody knows you as the Cam Newton hater. And uh, you get a lot of flack on the Kali.com about that. But I think you had a good case um, on Sunday because cause Cam didn't play well. And, and it was our best game defensively probably of the season where we saw Beasley putting pressure on him. And it wasn't, of course, we didn't have all the sacks, only two sacks, but just the constant pressure was really bothered Cam. Is there anything you got to say about anything negative about Cam? We'll go ahead and let you say whatever you want to say about Cam right now.
2: Oh, man. Um, it, was, it was a great game. It was a great game. I think, you know, anytime you start talking about how you defeat the Panthers, it goes back to you have to shut down Cam. You have to. So um, the Falcons made that their point of emphasis. You know the Falcons they were they were a little extra riled up. You know obviously getting blown out a few weeks ago in Charlotte and not scoring a touchdown. And you think about last season, Panthers coming here. The you know Falcons had a chance to to go into the playoffs and get blown out at home. So this was a Falcons team that hadn't beat the, hadn't been competitive with the Panthers the last two times we had seen them hadn't scored a touchdown the last two games. Um, and, and they really took it to him. They they really hit him in the mouth uh, when it came to came to Cam. Look at his numbers: 17 of 30 for 142 yards, a lost fumble, a few sacks. Beasley with with a huge sack on him to um, close out the game. Babineau and, and Bierman getting each of them getting a half sack. So the pressure was definitely there. Think about this stat for Cam Newton: 0 of 7 on third down and fourth down. In the game, so uh, he didn't react well to pressure. He did not uh, look like the same guy that some folks, you know, believe could be the MVP this year. So uh, the Falcons played a great game after that first drive, where he, you know, the, the Panthers marched down the field. We really were able to kind of settle down on defense and, and really shut that entire offense down. And that offense has been number one coming into the game. So to be able to shut him down was was huge for the Falcons. And you know you could definitely see the guys were extra fired up, dabbing all over the field and the post game. So it, it meant some extra. But uh, they they definitely had a great game and a great game plan to shut him down after that first drive.
0: Yeah. Now you brought up a good point, which is that third those third and fourth down stats. And we can even go back to the Jaguars game, where uh, let me pull up the stat here. I think we didn't allow a third down conversion all game. Yeah, they were 0 for eight and 0 for one on fourth down. So. That was something that carried over from the Jacksonville game where guys were getting pressure on the quarterback, not allowing fourth down and third down conversions. And, you know, the defense is really coming around. I can't wait to see, you know, the improved personnel next year where we might have a new defensive uh, – excuse me, a, a new GM. So looking forward to the improved personnel because this is a game where we can build on, man, and beating a division rival and not only beating them but uh, ending their undefeated season,
1: which was, which is always good. Yeah, I think um, two weeks ago when we had one of the uh, Panthers bros on, I think he stated the um, the way to beat the Panthers was to make Cam like throw the ball. And honestly, we saw that on Sunday. We took the running game away, and granted, they didn't have their um, starting running. They didn't have Jonathan Stewart. Cameron's, Cameron Artis Payne, he was running the ball um, fairly well the first half. I don't know why they stopped going to him, but hey, I won't argue with it. But, um... We took the ball. We took the running game away, so Cam had to make plays through the air. And as you see, like he wasn't able to consistently make plays through the air.
2: Yeah, and I, and I think too, when you can make somebody like that, you know, one-dimensional, that's how you. I mean, that's how you're able to, to win these games. I mean, you know, I do obviously have the reputation of being the biggest Cam or scam, you know, Newton fan, uh, you know, or hater that you have, you know, on the Collie and you know, out other places outside of that. But you gotta look at at the man's statistics and you look at it, he is not one of the most accurate passers in the league. He's at fifty-eight percent, fifty somewhere between fifty six and fifty-eight percent passing, and those type of numbers manifest themselves in situations like this where he goes seventeen to thirty and he's not able to complete. There were some key uh misses that he had where he had a chance to make better throws. You think about some of the late throws in the game, the the drop pass by Greg Olson, yeah, Greg Olson drops that but those are the type of plays where you know he's overthrowing guys on fourth down, late in the game, situations like that where he has to be more accurate and he's never been a really accurate passer. So those type of things definitely come to the forefront and it played a huge role in why we were able to get the win because he was not as good as he needed to be for the Panthers to win. And I'll be honest with you, the way that they've looked the last few weeks, barely getting by New Orleans, barely getting by the Giants – then we beat them. To me, they look like a team. They look a little tired, and they look like a team that, given the opponent, they're going to be in trouble because if Jonathan Stewart, who was out, like Trent said, with the uh, with Sprank foot, if he's not able to play and be effective for them come to the playoffs, they're going to be in a lot of trouble because, as we saw on Sunday, when we can make them or you can make them a one-dimensional team, That's not what Cam wants to do. He wants to run it. He wants to pass, but he really wants to set that up with the run, get the play action started, really zero in on that one-read, two-read offense. But if he has to just sit back in the pocket and just continue to pass, that's going to be trouble for that offense.
0: Yeah, so it looks like we kind of found a cheat code on how to beat them. We'll see if other teams kind of use that blueprint to stop them. And as we say, it's always the division games always mean a little bit more. It's always that rivalry. The uh, proximity to to our rivals and, of course, the Cam, Atlanta connection, and all that stuff, so, you know, it's a little bit more heated. People get into the Dome and just the season in a nutshell and everything that's happened this year, I guess that game kind of meant a little bit more. But another guy who was really on point was Matt Ryan. The past two weeks, fans from other teams and, and delusional Atlanta Falcons fans, this is why we love Matt Ryan. This is why we believe in him. Like games like the last two, but unfortunately these games come when it doesn't matter. Like, of course, the, se- well, the season, you know, you want to win, but playoffs aren't on, the, aren't on the line. This isn't a playoff game where we're going to trying to get to the Super Bowl or anything like that. So for us, for me, I'm looking at Matt Ryan, and it's just about consistency. Can he do this consistent enough in the regular season, carry it over to the postseason, lead us to a Super Bowl victory? So 23 for 30, 306 yards. Of course, the big play to Julio Jones where he aired it out, and Julio made the amazing catch and, and finished it off but also found Roddy White five times as well, so just all around a great game for Matt Ryan. We did have the uh, center quarterback exchange look ugly again as it has in previous games with Mike Person. I don't know did Matt Ryan really drop that or I can't remember really what happened, but either way it was a little bit of miscommunication or something. And we've seen it before so that's something I really want to see improve in offseason. Maybe I don't know if Mike Person is a future at center or, or do we go another direction, but Hats off to Matt Ryan, and then of course Julio and, and Roddy White
1: definitely stepped up big. Yeah, def- Just to go back on uh, Matt Ryan real quick, I think it takes. I think Kyle Shanahan is going to have to. Kyle Shanahan is going to have to collab with Matt Matt Ryan and make some changes and adjust to Matt Ryan's comfortabilities. Sunday in that game, I can't remember us driving the ball down the field too much, too many times this season. In that game, we were we were driving the ball down the field and trying to take the top off the defense. So if that's something that Kyle Shanahan can consistently add to his to his offense and to his um offensive game plan, then I think we, you can see um Matt Ryan have more success. Also, this was his um his first interception free game since like since November eighth. And it was his first three hundred yard game. So it just shows you like how how bad he has been and also what what he's capable of doing and why he why he is our franchise quarterback at this point.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, we've had a lot of really heated debate about kind of, you know, not only Matt Ryan, but uh, with Kyle Shanahan and his place, will he be back next year? Is he the guy to, you know, take Matt Ryan to the next level? I still think there's a lot of question marks with uh, Kyle Shanahan and kind of his future with the organization. But with regards to Matt and how he played, I mean, that's the kind of game you expect, you know, in a heated division game, you know, 306 yards passing. That touchdown to Julio, obviously Julio did all the heavy lifting for that. But you got to give Matt some credit. He was able to uh, escape the pocket, escape the 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 pressure, and make that throw. And he was also very mindful of where he was at, so he didn't cross the line of scrimmage. But you got to give credit to Matt uh, for making a lot of big plays, Uh, even putting his body out there. You know, early in the first half and, and getting hit. You know, in that lower part of his hip, and you know, in his rib cage taking a real shot but staying in there a lot of people don't talk about Matt's toughness he's a lot tougher than people give him credit for but um I mean like, like you said that's what you see from Matt Matt is he's the franchise guy he played a great game a controlled game you know um and he took what, what the defense gave him like that really I hate to sound cliche but that's really you know what he was able to do he didn't force things like he's been doing all season so I still have my doubts about whether or not Kyle Shanahan is the right off the right guy for this offense as far as offensive coordinator. But the last two games, especially uh, yesterday, Sunday's game, were good to see for Matt and also for Kyle Shanahan.
0: No doubt about it. Kind of put some of the uh,
2: – Pressure.
0: Pressure. Fighters. Yeah, pressure and <laughs> liability and all the questions we've had about Matt Shan- my Excuse me, Kyle Shanahan. So something that hopefully we can build on. And, you know, I, I really – I guess it does take a little bit of time. You don't want to kind of squash it after one year because you got to see what they can build, and this is probably the best quarterback he's had in his uh, coaching career. So got to want to build on that. But another thing, man, the defense, fellas, like Vic Beasley, he came, the news came out there as a torn labrum. He didn't show anything like that on Sunday. Like, you know, he looked 100% healthy. He looked like the first-round pick that we all wanted him to be. Of causing pressure had the sack and you know the whole defense looked pretty good. Even, you know, with our deficiencies with personnel and guys who we don't think should see a lot of time on the field. They still stepped up, played well. Justin Durant was uh playing great at his position. And like I said, Vic Beasley, Adrian Claymore, Babineau, who's always been consistent, had uh they Beerman and Babino combined on that sack. So it's just like, you know, great defensive effort. And that's something that we're going to have to build on, especially with Dan Quinn, with his background as a defensive coach.
2: Yeah, I, I think um, <clears throat> the defense has definitely been a bright spot. Um, I think even with the struggles the team has had, you know, during the six-game losing streak and, you know, even trying to find our footing late in the season, the defense has made plays. I mean, currently they're ranked number 15 in the league. As you mentioned, you know, Vic Beasley getting, getting the sack, forcing the fumble to help seal the game. Um Babineau and Beerman, you know, combining on that sack earlier in the game on uh, on Cam. The defense is starting to make some plays. This defense still is missing playmakers consistently, especially on the edge. You know, Vic Beasley, with you know, he's got a torn labrum. He's had kind of a nondescript rookie season, but he has shown flashes at times of being that guy who can who could be a disruptor. So you definitely got to give him credit, to see what he'll do a you know, full year full year training, a full year in the system, a full year communicating, you know, with what his expectations should be. And you'll see what type of player that he really should be a year into the system next year. Looking forward, you know, to next season. Will will Willie Moore, uh, Willie Moe, will he be back next year? My guess would be probably not, you know. So I think the defense is definitely going to take a new look next year, but I think it'll be even better. And that's exciting to see, you know, how much better this defense can get.
1: Yeah, as we come to the – I guess the end of Quinn's first year uh, first first year you can really see that this defense has made a, um, made a lot of strides outside of that 38 to0 performance um that we had against the Panthers two weeks offenses hasn't haven't really put any put any points up on us like that the points of uh, came from our offensive mis- miscues but for the most part our defense has really been, uh, bend but don't break and balance type of defense. And also just to see, like you, um, we were talking about Vic Beasley, and just to see him playing like this near the end of the season, this gives me a lot of hope going into uh the 2016 campaign. So I just know, and of course when um, so hopefully Dan Quinn can get a, a couple of his guys in there. You talked about uh, William Moore. I don't think he'll be there either. I hope Dan Quinn can get some more talented guys in there because our defense isn't talented. But we're still be able to play, still able to have an average defense in the NFL with a group that's not really talented.
0: Av likes his numbers, man. And (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at most of the stats, man. We are like middle of the pack, 15th in the league. So you know, you're in the top half, middle of the pack defense. That that can usually, you know, lead you to playoff success if you can. If your offense does what they're supposed to do, and ours really hasn't the uh, second half of the season after the strong start. So it's just like, hey, I guess we can't really be too mad. We'll look back on the season next week, next couple weeks. So I guess we can revisit some of our predictions and kind of what units we thought would be good and whatnot. And the defense, of course, we've been up and down on it. I just, like every week I say, I just want us to be opportunistic, make the plays since we don't have the guys to make those plays. So. 15th or 16th in the league in most categories, that's nothing to be mad at. It's good to see your defense doing that.
2: I mean, this was the worst defense in the league last year. So, I mean, Dan Quinn should get, definitely get kudos just for getting them. I think before the year we talked a lot about, hey, just give me top 20. If we're a top 20 defense, then this is probably a team that can compete for the playoffs. And it looks like we'll be a team that just misses the playoffs. But at the same time, you know, to be that much higher after one season is, is amazing.
1: Yeah, and we were also saying that because we felt that our offense would still have would be a dominant and a top offense in the league, and our offense just haven't lived up to the expectations this year. Yep, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We haven't been there, haven't been there offensively, but we can pinpoint where the problems are and where they need to be rectified at. So that's something good going forward. I mean, we're not in bad or as bad positions as other teams. You know, we got a quarterback we can guess we can rely on a solid running back core. Tevin Coleman was out. Hopefully, he'll recover from his concussion and come back next week. But we got some pieces to build on, so that's always encouraging. And I have a new head coach and some things we can hang our hats on. I'm optimistic going forward. I definitely say that. Falcons do frustrate me, but I'm optimistic. <laughs> you guys got anything else from this Panthers game before we move on to the preview of the Week 17 matchup?
2: I just, I mean, personally, I, I was just happy to get a win. I mean, you you talk about ending the Panthers' win streak. You talk about your boy, uh, your boy Cam. I guess, I, to me, and he's to me he's done this in his entire career, he just, he after he loses a game, he's the first person off the field. Like I saw right after the game how Matt Ryan was talking to somebody. He basically taps Matt Ryan on the shoulder, hey, I'll see you later, and runs off. I guess that's okay, you know, but I'm just used to if you're the star guy, you know, even after a tough loss still hey, good game. I just I don't feel like that's ever really been a part of him. So, it's tough for, you know, a lot of people talk about why you hate him so much or why you're not a big fan. It's just stuff like that, like that that kind of stuff kind of just irks me the wrong way, but um as far as as far as the game, I was just happy to see us get a win in their uh win streak. Uh very this is the win the biggest win of the season in my opinion. So, um it's good to be able to ride that into another rival the, the the worst of all rivals uh the New Orleans Saints so um good win great win great energy you know uh from what i've heard from a lot of people who were down at the game um they were really really hyped for it so that's good to see cuz at at one point things were looking pretty bad as far as the energy behind this team and i think it's back now
1: yeah this was um i feel like this was our super bowl so this win was everything to i feel like despite that six-game losing streak and all of the this up-and-down season this is the brightest part of our season and this was our um was our Super Bowl I was actually just looking just watching the game and just seeing how many Panthers fans made their trip and it seemed like the Panthers fans actually dominated like it was more Panthers fans than a uh, Fathom's fan in the Georgia Dome and I, I just remember hearing Luke when he made a tackle and all of like the Luke screams and all of that and I'm just glad that the um the Falcons that we answer that bell because you don't like I said, you don't want another team coming to your dome, blowing you out, and your and their fans are all there and all of that. So I was just glad that our team actually um stood up and answered the bell.
0: Yeah, it's always great to see the Falcons fans come in there, defend the dome, no piped in noise, all real noise, <laughs> and, and do our thing. It's always a great thing to see it. Love going down to the dome and being in that area. And the new stadium is built; it's already basically erected. And this is when it's finished, it'll be great to go down there and hopefully that that atmosphere remains and that home field advantage remains. Cause that's very important when you're playing against a division rival. And you know this is supposed to be a playoff on the line matchup. I mean, really, it was. But you know, of course, we didn't have the help that we needed, and that's on us. <laughs> but yeah, so. Sitting at 8-7 and seven on the season, we're guaranteed to finish 500 at least, so that'll be a good thing. But week 17, we're playing the hated New Orleans Saints. They're coming to town, sitting at 6-9 on the season, coming off of a win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. And uh, Drew Brees passing along, doing great. But as the AV has told us in previous weeks, the defense is woke material, worst of all time. And... Looks like a game that'll be winnable. Drew Brees, like I said, is on, is doing great, but we can play some offense recently. We can run the football, we can pass, and I'm hoping it'll be a victory. So going forward, go uh looking at Sunday's game, January third, New Year, twenty sixteen, A V, what do you see us exploiting on that on that Saints team? Is that defense or is it getting to Drew Brees who has a torn plantar fascia or what do you see?
2: Man, it's that defense.
0: Woke level.
2: <laughs> I mean, that's that's one of the worst defenses, uh, you know, in in NFL history that we're going to be seeing on Sunday. So, um, I mean, you got to exploit the defense. This should be hopefully a, a high-scoring, fun matchup. You know, this isn't a game for us to make the playoffs. This is a game strictly for bragging rights, uh, strictly to end the year with a winning record. So, there's still some things to play for as far as the motivation factor is concerned. You know, the Saints at this this point in the season, they You know, they're done. You know, they're not making the playoffs either. They're just – they're trying not to get double-digit losses. But what does another loss mean to them? They've already got, you know, nine of them. So um, it'll be a big game. You know, anytime you talk Saints and Falcons, it's a huge rivalry. And it's a game that brings a lot of New Orleans fans and New Orleans fans who are already in Atlanta. You know, so it'll be a lot of fun just to go back and forth with with Saints fans. And it's got to be a a game where we – make a, a emphasis to really exploit them defensively. This should be a game where Julio goes for, like, 200 yards uh, receiving. Like, it should be that kind of game where we're just throwing the ball up, we're having fun, we're, we're going at the defense. But we have to attack, attack, attack. It can't just be trying to be methodical. We've got to go down the field on the Saints because they, they've proven um, that they're one of the worst defenses of all time. So when you have that in front of you, you got to go after it.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be <clears> – <throat> we basically have to go into this game just like we went into the Panthers game on Sunday. I mean, this team has beaten us already this week, I mean, this season, and you don't want to get swept by a, a team that, like, AV was just mentioning is probably it was one of the worst teams in history. You just don't want to get swept by that team. And also, um, AV was mentioning their defense, where their defense actually played good against us um, when we lost to them earlier in the season in the uh, down in New Orleans. So we just have to go into this with the same type of um, mentality. Granted, we don't have the bulletin board material that the Panthers gave us with all that dabbing and team pictures and stuff. But you still have to go into that with that same mentality of, you know, I, we, can't, we can't take another loss. I mean, this was our first, uh, the, the winning against the Panthers was our first division win this season. So we're one and four. You don't want to want to lose another division game. We, we would only have one division win in this entire uh, season.
2: Which is, and it's so ironic that you mention that too. When you think about last year, the Falcons' saving grace was the fact that we were so good in the division last year. You know, you sweep the Saints, you sweep the Bucks, and you split with the Panthers. So it was interesting that we were so good in the division last year, and then this year it's just been a complete. Turnaround where we have been get swept by the Bucks, lost to the Saints, lost to the Panthers. Lose Sunday, you get swept by the Saints. So it's been interesting how that's been such a big turnaround too. If we had just been 500 in the division, we make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, easily. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Funny how things change year to year. So I'm looking at the Saints roster and their stats and everything. So I mean, you guys didn't mention the Saints' fear of running back, number 34. Tim Hightower. I mean, I, y'all probably didn't know Tim Hightower was in the league, but uh, he's on the Saints. He had a, actually had a pretty good game last week against the, against the Jags. Yeah, 122 yards rushing, two touchdowns, three catches for 47 yards. I mean, I'm kind of saying in jest, but still, you know, they have some guys that they they can they do their thing on offense. This is the same, maybe not the same Saints of old, but you know, Drew Brees just the new names he's throwing the football to is not you know your Marcus Colston's and guys from previous years, Pierre Thomas and those kind of guys is Brandon Cooks and Willie Sneed Ben Watson again is like having a career resurgence just out of nowhere. So it's just like still some guys on this team I'm kind of worried about and they don't have much else but to just the shootout. So you think we're up to the challenge with our guys. We really don't have much when it comes to passing football. So we, of course, Julio Roddy. Jacob Tammy after that is really, is it going to be Nick Williams or Justin Hardy? But I guess I, I'm kind of, my thing, my point is, is really, I see this game being pretty close just because the Saints offense. You know, am I off base or what?
1: I see it being close because it's divisional. It's, a, it's in the divisional game, not because of their offense. I mean, just to go back to the, um, the earlier game this season, it wasn't their offense that that um that beat it that defeated us. It was the special teams touchdowns they scored and just the defensive miscues, the sacks, and all of that. Despite all of that, their offense still I think well they had twenty three. Well uh, they went in um it was thirty one points, but that was with a uh, special teams touchdown. So I just don't see their offense as being as dangerous as it used to be. Of course, you have guys like Brendan Cooks who is. Who is their most dangerous and to me is their only um offensive threat. I understand yeah, you have Drew Brees and those other guys, but I feel like Brandon Cooks is their only um offensive threat.
2: And I and I think the other thing too that you look at, and you brought up some of the guys like uh, um like street the left tackle, you know, he may not play. Marcus Colston, you know, he got banged up in that game against the Jaguars, he may not play. Um, you know, Colston has been one of uh, Drew Brees' top targets since he came, in, since they both, you know, uh, came together at, in New Orleans. So I think it might be tough if we're talking about, you know, some of the guys that they, that they rely on. Um, you talk about one of his top targets, even though, you know, Colston's been banged up. Him not being in the, in the game definitely changes what they want to do on offense. But, you know, the Saints with Drew Brees are always going to be dangerous. They're always going to be a deadly team. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit uh, of Steve Nash, how he was with the Suns. It didn't matter if the Suns couldn't play defense with that offense, you know, and it's a basketball comparison, but, you know, with that offense and with Steve Nash in control, you knew they always had a shot because they could put points on the board. So I kind of look at it the same way. Uh, just even with us knowing how bad they are uh, defensively and being historically bad, they're still going to have a chance because Drew Brees can, can, can do just about anything you want on the football field from the quarterback position. So. Um we'll have I mean the, def- the Falcons definitely going to have their hands full but I think it'll be a close game cuz like we said it's divisional it's the rivalry it's the Saints these games always are close um I don't see us bl- blowing them out even if they were 1 and 14 and we were 15 and 0 I wouldn't see it any other way
0: They always give us their best and a lot of trash talk as always <clears throat> I'm ready to see any Saints fan out here and fire off some trash talk and say what happened to y'all defense and all this stuff, you know, it'll happen. I'm definitely – I'm ready for it. So I'll have my Falcons hat on, my shirt, whatever gear I have. I know it's – you know, we usually do the St. Suck segment. You got anything for us, A.V., or?
2: Oh, man, how how could I not?
0: Okay, okay, go ahead.
2: How could I not have a segment dedicated to one of the worst teams of all time? But I had to break it back down um, to the core, back to to the roots of this. So I did reason number one why the Saints suck. In the past, I've had all these outlandish numbers, thousands, and all that stuff. It's all well and good. But there's a main reason why they suck. So listen closely, my dear Falcons friends. They've done it. The New Orleans Saints have made history. They have done it. The Saints have set the NFL record for the most touchdown passes allowed in a season, breaking a record of 39. Set by the 1963 Denver Broncos, as a diehard Falcons fan, I can only stand and applaud the historic levels of ineptitude that the Saints have attacked with unmatched vigor. Congrats to all the Saints bros out there listening. You guys deserve it. Great job in setting history. Uh, we've been teasing that the last few shows as far as the Saints being close to matching that record uh, with the most touchdown passes allowed, but they broke it uh, this past Sunday. Uh, Blake Bortles of the Jaguars had four touchdowns, so you know Matt Ryan, you know, hopefully will continue to add to that record that the Saints now hold by themselves in history. But wait, I have one more. So before we, before you digest all that, I got a little bit more to wash it down with. So despite the historic run on defense, which has been one of the worst of all time, that is not reason number one why the Saints suck. In the all-time series versus the Falcons, the Saints trailed 44-49 against Atlanta. So when any Saints fan, and there are a lot of them because I I see them daily, when any Saints fan tries to come and talk trash to you, please, this is coming from your boy A.V., please, remind them that they trail us in the rivalry, and they always will. And that, my friends, is reason number one why the Saints suck.
0: There we go. A.V. bringing us the... In-depth stats, as usual. <laughs> we all hate the Saints. Got to love that segment every week. Shoot, we'll have another one next week just for the hell of it. After a win, I mean, got to have it. Shoot, we might even have it, off, you know, have it in the offseason. You know, we're going to have it in the season too. I know we're going to talk draft and free agency and all that, but there's going to be some reasons out there. The Saints going to have some comedy of errors just to talk about during the offseason, man. It's going to. I'm looking forward to it. I'm I'm looking forward to it a whole lot, man.
2: And and when you think about it too, there's a lot kind of going going on with with how the Saints could potentially look next year. Next year could be a very different looking team. There's been a lot of speculation that Sean Payton could be coaching his last game in New Orleans, There's speculation that Drew Brees could be also playing his last game in New Orleans. I know that sounds pretty crazy when you think about the fact those two have been together uh for the better part of, of the last decade, but You know, Sean Payton, it's been a tough year. Drew Brees has a huge cap number that, as we talked about earlier in the season, their cap number is so uh, prohibitive that they can't really go out and get the kind of players that they want, which led to them, you know, having to trade a guy like a Jimmy Graham, having to release some guys. Um, They got some big decisions to make as far as a team and what this team is going to look like moving forward. Um, And there's also been speculation about their owner, um, Tom Benson, is he gonna? You know, they actually had one of the uh, columnists for uh, for the paper down in New Orleans, uh, the Picayune, and uh, Jeff. I think his name is Jeff Duncan. Anyway, he's one of the sports columnists there, and he publicly called for uh, for Mr. Benson to sell the team. You know, Benson responded like he's not going to do it. As soon as you know he dies, the team would go to his wife. But you know he, you know uh, Benson, and you know his his lawyers have been in a battle with his estranged wife. It's just been a lot of a lot of mess with that potential situation. So there's a lot going on with that team and that franchise right now. Um, and if you look at the Saints the last few years, they've been pretty mediocre. So there's there's a chance a lot of change could come their way. So definitely be something we watch, you know, in the off season.
1: Yeah, and just to uh, pick it back on what you were um, you were saying. Drew Brees made a statement earlier today saying that um, he expected that um, him and Sean, Sean Payton should be there um, next year. Like he, he he thinks they should be there next year. But also Drew Brees is like you were uh, mentioning his cap number. It's It's actually he's making. He's expected to make twenty million next year. Yeah. So yep. you can see why this may be <laughs> his last game in the Saints uniform.
0: Not only he's making he's making twenty million, but that's a thirty million dollar cap hit. So yep. that's gonna be real tough for them to retain him or not ask him to take a pay cut because like like A V was saying, that's a huge number on a team that's gonna have to make personnel changes and you know possibility with the coach and everything. So yeah, there's gonna yeah, be some flux in, in New Orleans for sure.
2: I mean, they're gonna have to—they're gonna have to hire a new defensive coordinator anyway. Um, they're gonna have to make obvious personnel changes on defense. You think about some of the highest-paid guys they have on that team. Think about Jarius Bird, the safety that they signed a couple of uh, off seasons ago. He's has contributed nothing when he had—you know—when he's been healthy, and otherwise he's been hurt. So they've got some some really big decisions to make as far as how that team needs to look um, and how they can get more talent because. They really are in a tough position as far as acquiring talent. But if you talk about getting rid of Drew Brees, that's really been the main guy keeping you competitive. So I don't see how that could work. Um, there's nobody on the roster as far as a quarterback who they've been developing or grooming. It's almost eerily similar to kind of how the Falcon situation is. There's nobody really to challenge Drew Brees on that team, same way there's nobody here to challenge Matt Ryan. So, um, you know, they got some some big decisions to make regardless of what happens on Sunday.
0: No doubt about it. And I think they drafted a quarterback this year, if I'm not mistaken, like in like third round or something. So that's not a long time to groom a guy. I mean, he's just a rookie this year, but definitely things will change. That team we're used to seeing in the past nine, ten years down there that whooped up on us and won a Super Bowl is definitely not the same team that we see this year and we'll probably see in the future. Yeah, Garrett Grayson is the guy they drafted third round out of Colorado State. So – Saints not looking too good. The Aints ain't doing their thing, man. You guys got anything else on the Saints or
1: just with the um this momentum we have riding from this from this big win this week, we definitely have to um win this game on Sunday also just to continue that momentum and run into the off season with that momentum and start a start a 2016 campaign with that. Just on Sunday we saw what this team was capable of doing and to an extent it, it's kind of bittersweet It's Makes you wonder, like, what happened in during that six-game uh, losing streak when we lost to these teams that we shouldn't have lost to. But we did, like I said, on Sunday. I expect us to um to continue that winning momentum. We have to.
2: Yeah, just to to echo those sentiments, Trent. Um, I mean, it's a game that you definitely got to win. You have to win this game. Um, you know, last year you were able to sweep the Saints. The loss to the Saints really kind of started this slide. You know, after you you know beat the Saints, everything. I mean, lost the Saints early this year. Everything else started to really unravel, um, and and the season ended up with not making the playoffs. So uh, we do owe them a little bit from that, and kind of what transpired from that loss. That loss really kind of set the tone as far as how we played. The offense was out of sync, just like it was in the Saints game. The defense, even though they made some plays, got put in bad positions because of miscues from the offense. So if you look at how that game went, it really was like a microcosm of what the next month and a half, two months was going to look like. So we definitely owe the Saints, you know, uh, besides them being just a terrible team, we owe them for really getting our season off the tracks. And, um, you know, we, we, we would like to definitely have, You know, bragging rights going into next season. You know, it's it's never easy to have another team who's your rival be able to say, "Oh, we won this." You know, we beat you back to back. You know, this season we beat you in your city, and we know how how Saints fans get down. They they come in pretty pretty hot. uh, They rip the team pretty hard, especially when it comes to being here in Atlanta. So we definitely gotta you know maintain home field, and and beat them and beat those guys as badly as we can, because. You know, if we don't, it's gonna be another off season here and Saints fans talk trash and, and nobody wants that. So
0: No, we don't want it at all. But we can still use that stat. Was that forty four and forty nine?
2: Forty four and forty nine.
0: Yeah. That's their record against us. So yep. if you're armed with that, fellow Falcons fans, you can um use that as ammo when you trash talk. Y'all are not up on us in this series all the time. So something you can use. I don't know how well you all are at debate and arguing and trash talking, but facts always went out. Pull out that smartphone, pull out your your phone and pull up the Bird Bros app or our Bird Bros podcast. We're working on the app soon, but uh, that'll be something you can arm yourself with. Before we finish up, man, I wanna uh shout out, you know, a few of our listeners, man. We appreciate everybody listening and liking our Facebook page and all that stuff. But you know, it just shows another thing that Falcons fans are nationwide and worldwide and we got listeners everywhere as well. Always shout out to our boy Justin C out there in Washington State, I believe. Um, let me pull up his Twitter page real quick. Yeah, Tacoma, Washington, Justin C, JCity123 on Twitter, who, uh, who always is communicating with us and debating and talking about the Falcons. We appreciate that. And also we got a, a listener from Melbourne, Australia, Ash Rogers, 3 on Twitter. Appreciate you listening and checking us out and following the Twitter page. And also one more guy who's been liking our uh, links on Facebook, Christian Jordan. We appreciate that. So shout out to everybody listening. even if you don't like our page or hit us up on on any of the social media, we still appreciate you listening. We see the stats and the links. We appreciate it, man, as we do this as a just for our love of the Falcons and we take our time time out of our nights once a week. So thanks for listening to us and we appreciate that. So hey, there you go. Subscribe to us, rate us on uh, on iTunes, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. Keep checking us out. We got a few more episodes before the uh, NFL season ends. We'll also talk NFL playoffs as well. So even though the Falcons are done after uh, Sunday, still going to give you all some NFL talk. So you all stay safe. Happy New Year. Check back for us next week. That's it. This is this is Elevator Music All we do is ride around and get high to it All we do is ride around and get high to it That's why we call it the